you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL Podcast doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I don't, you know what? That open, I don't, we don't need to keep poking the bear on that. And by the way, it's not even correct. Wes watches Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's our conduit. Um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to the finale. Like, I, I would, I'm seriously thinking about going all eight seasons and then just not watching the last episode. Oh, that would be wild. I, I mean, think you, anyone's ever done that. You, I watched, I think, four seasons and then Same for me, right fell off. I fell off. Like it's, and I blame only myself, but also the show. I don't, ju- I don't judge anybody <laughs> for loving the show. Interesting way to phrase it. What did you say? I blame only myself, but also the show. <laughs> well, I like it. Um, but I think the last show that I, and this is a cultural phenomenon, uh, Game of Thrones, no doubt about it. Um, the last show that I truly was head over heels for was Mad Men. And I remember the, the final episodes, not always thinking, oh, this is, you know, this is going how I want it to go or the, not necessarily thinking they're sticking the landing, but enjoying all the final episodes because I'm going to miss these characters. You just want to hang out with the characters longer and you know you're not going to get any more Roger Sterling in your life after these last three weeks or whatever. Um, I don't sense a similar thing or a same thing going on with Game of Thrones, and that might just be because the show itself is obviously so different. It's fantasy, it's war, it's bloody and violent, and I think a lot of people are getting killed. So there seems to be, and we're going to get into it on today's show, uh, a segment where we talk about what in the NFL we're kind of as to use a Greg term, wildly invested in, overly invested in. Game of Thrones fans, Greg, are so upset, it seems, about the direction of this last season because they're just so into the show. Yeah, I don't necessarily blame them, but I think the after 76 hours of investment that, that everyone's given Game of Thrones – you know, your your the emotional connection is just making people crazy. They're rooting for they're rooting for certain things. It's just everyone's so invested. It's like it's like the Super Bowl or something. It's like your team making it to the Super Bowl and this season is the Super Bowl and there's just emotions are high. I can't speak for everyone, but I went into the final season with the thought they had put so much time into this. They are so invested. They have brilliant people working on this, brilliant actors. They have technology the likes of TV shows have never had. So the expectation going in, especially with these mini movies every week, they're an hour and a half. The expectation is we might see television history. This might go down Mm. as the greatest television show, a spectacle the likes of which we won't see for decades. And it hasn't been that. 
expect those expectations are almost impossible to match. That's part of what they were up against, but that's a good problem to have ultimately. Well, there's also another thing going on. So, you know, Shakespeare's Globe have featured players. That's what they're called, players. Are we going back into like the 13th? Here yeah, we go again. again. So, like, you have football players, but you also West. have players or actors. Yes. Both of them are dramas, right? One more staged than the other. They both rely on tension and release. Mounting tension, then resolution. In Game of Thrones, the last episode, Sunday night, the resolution was unsatisfactory, much like the no-call in the Rams-Saints game, and I think this is the fallout you're seeing. Mm. It was a very unsatisfactory resolution for viewers. I think one huge winner is George R.R. R. Martin because if they're one and I don't watch it but I but it's impossible to even log on to Twitter for more than three minutes without hearing every single person you know's opinion on it so I only call it from that but the critique seems to be that since the books ended that the the show is plot driven not character driven that characters they spent all this time with are doing things they that they shouldn't be doing otherwise and so is- if George R. R. Martin, who wrote the book, sitting back saying, oh, yeah, I nailed it. Let these two showrunners go and botch the ending. That is a fair criticism. Tottenham. Well, it's not my criticism. Well, it's also like seven. No, nothing is meant to go on for 76 hours. I like this conversation. Period. No, I mean, it's fine. Well, what this, about we can people, have? Well, that I don't agree with at all. I don't think. Ultimately, it's kind of like a, an art. It's a form of art on some level. It is a form of art. Absolutely. Of and so think of all the greatest television shows of all time. Almost none of them were as good as they were in the final season as they were all along because like what's, you know, it's like a 80, it, it'd be like writing a 4,000 page book. Like it, it's just too, it's oh, too way, much. So, you can't keep shows, it at that level. How many some shows do stick the landing? Yeah. And I'm not saying you, you can't stick the how landing, many, but that every single part of the show is at that same high level. It, it's a lot to have. How many shows can you name that had a satisfactory series? Series finale. Very few. I loved The Sopranos at at the I time. Did. I wasn't trying to be contrarian or anything. There wasn't like that public opinion. I loved The Breaking Sopranos. Breaking Bad ended very well. I thought. Oh, I liked Mad Men the yeah, way it ended. I, Mad Men ended I thought fine. also what happened in the final season was an awesome final season's character arc for our boy. Yeah, and Six Feet Under I thought ended extremely well uh, way back in mm. the day. Um, Second to last episode of Six Feet Under is one of the best hours of television you mean the penultimate episode? The penultimate. People love Absolutely. dropping that. Oh, everyone's jumping on that. <laughs> All right. It's a fun word. Like, okay. opacetic. Um, it don't come at it. We don't pretend to be X. I hear it. All this, like, these guys, they don't know anything about pop culture. I'm telling you, I don't pretend to know anything about Game of Thrones. So right. settle down. Right. Thank you for getting that out there, Mark. You heard Mark Sessler. Don't come at him. At Mark Sessler NFL. Don't <laughs> Any of us. Uh, yes, we got a lot to get into. Yeah, so what are we kind of so invested in uh, in the NFL that we're going nuts? We can't even keep it together. And it is hot in here. Mark's doing the – he's got the vapors. It's not just me this time. That should tell you something. Yeah, that is. is downright oppressive. You know what that tells me? Swampy. Keep an eye on – Ricky, keep an eye on Mark Sessler because even when it's not hot, he's hot. When we are hot, he could pass out. If we could put like some type of a feigning couch next to his chair <laughs> – we got to keep Mark alive. Yeah, I'll have him wheel it in. <laughs> Maybe like one of those spritz bottles. We just have somebody. I could one request up. too many, I think. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so what what are we overly invested in? But before that, let's do some news. So they're going to lose that last game, letting some younger guys play. Thirteen and three, respectable for Sam Darnold's second year. Wow. Good luck, Sammy. Thank you, Rhett. <laughs> There it is, Greg. That is the Mark Sanchez on NFL Total Access here on NFL Network, uh, predicting a not only a thirteen and three Jet season in that in that game they play where they hit the yeah. He went uh, through screen. every every game of the schedule. Uh, they were thirteen and two, and you know rested all the starters against the Bills. That, uh, that part is what I love the most. <laughs> it was really great. He delivered it with a lot of panache, and uh, I hope to see more of. Mark I thought Sanchez. David Carr, who we like, he's been on this show, and he fostered a, a broker to peace. Uh, between this show and Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback who had blocked Greg and I for a time and then unblocked us live on on broadcast, which I still get goosebumps just thinking about that moment. (laughs) So does he. Uh, We like David Carr, but Carr was a little bit annoyed, I thought, that um, Sanchez was making a farce of what to me is the most farcical exercise right. done on NFL Network. Why well, thought he hitting the button WL for 16 weeks? That's true, but it kind of made for better TV. He was oh, kind of this straight man where it was like, "What's going on here?" We've but needed Mark, somebody to we've do that lost for seven control years. of the show. Mark Sanchez is <laughs> taking over. Mark Sanchez is having fun. Stop him. Anyway, 
Good for you, Mark. I hope you get a job. He's not on a roster right now, right? Adam, why uh, not? He's that's not, that's what we need on the. He's one of those talking. featured players at the Globe. He just is coming in every once in a while and yeah. trying to get that long-term deal. I, Let's do it. I think people saw just how inept he was with the Redskins last year, and he's not getting the he did. deal. He did. He's I, not going to be in the league. Oh, I'm oh, thinking, in the league. I'm I'm thinking saying a television with the job. NFL Network. We're saying. I, I think we've oh, moved think, on from the on. By the I think everyone's right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was nailing. They all had different takes on what I okay. laid out, but you were all right. Um, all right, let's get into a start with the Denver Broncos. Did Sanchez have a cup of coffee in Denver? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Segway. Uh, Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos, said that Joe Flacco, the offseason trade acquisition, will get all first-team reps in OTAs. Um, he addressed the media and made it clear that um, – Flacco will get those first-team reps. Then we have an open competition after that, and we'll randomly play with the twos and threes when we do our reps. OTAs uh, began on Monday. Of course, uh, Drew Locke is in the building, uh, the draft uh, pick by the Broncos. Uh, so a lot of people are wondering how long a leash Flacco will have. And uh, speaking of Joe Flacco, um, gentlemen, uh, he spoke to the media today, Monday, and made it clear that you know, the old reality show thing. I didn't come here to make friends. Well, Joe Flacco says, I didn't come here to mentor. Let's listen in. I think that is, like I said, it's kind of Rich's job, you know, and it's and it's and it's to be in that quarterback room and, and watch. And that's how you can develop. Listen, I got so many things to worry about. I'm trying to go out there and play good football. I'm trying to go out there and play the best football of my life. Um, so as far as a time constraint and all that stuff, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about developing guys or any of that. You know, that is what it is. And like I said, I hope he does develop. But I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. Wes, you like what you hear? I mean, I don't really have strong feelings on that. That I've heard that from so many different quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks over the years, that it's customary. That, mm. that seems normal to me. Customary from Flacco, who said similar things last year. He does seem a little uncomfortable with the with the notion it may be annoyed, and he's com- he's just a competitive guy, and you kind of got the same vibe from Eli Manning when they asked him those questions uh, a few years ago that he wasn't ready to give that up at that point. I think Eli's maybe more ready now. I don't think I don't think Joe Flacco is going to go out of his way to make it comfortable. I, w- I wonder if Flacco, when he got traded from Baltimore, thought one of the advantages of this move was that he wouldn't have to be answering these questions mm-hmm. um, this time of year, that he'd have another young buck uh, ready to take the throne. Probably was told that. I look at it. The Iron Throne, Mark. The Iron Throne. I'm looking at a date here, October 17th, which feels like the ideal date for Joe Flacco to be benched. It is a evening game on Thursday night for the Chiefs. He will get benched. Drew Locke will step in with 10 days to prepare and only a week before the bye as well. A nice cushion for the youngster to come in and overtake Joe Flacco. I'm not buying this idea. And Wes, I don't mean to buck heads with you. I know you're all in on Joe Flacco that he's going 16 weeks. I promise you if he goes 16 weeks, I will give you, you can come to my house and take anything out of my house outside of a human being. Anything in my house. Cut Hmm. that, Ricky. We're going to need to file that uh, for potential. And if he doesn't, I'm going to Wes's house and taking anything I want out of Wes's house. Do you agree to that, Wes? No, I have some stuff I like. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what does Mark have that you would take? You're not getting my sous vide. Then I'll just do it the other way around. You don't have a car anymore. Well, you share it. Yeah. I wouldn't take your car. I don't even want it. I mean, Flacco's in a weird in a weird position because if you look at their talent, they might be the most rebuilding offense and the youngest offense in the NFL. Their running back is a second-year player. Their top three receivers, uh, until Emmanuel Sanders gets healthy, are second-year players. They have a rookie tight end. They have a rookie offensive lineman uh, starting. They have Drew Locke in place. So this is about as young as it gets, and then you have Flacco kind of leading all these young guys. In other Broncos news, Chris Harris, the star cornerback, well, it looks like the Broncos are going to keep him around or do everything in their power to make sure he's playing in 2019 at Mile High. Mike Cleese of Nine News Denver reported that the Broncos will not trade uh, the cornerback. He's been a no-show at off-season workouts uh, trying to get a new contract. The Broncos are expected to present a counteroffer next week. Uh, it might not be that money that Harris wants. Uh, so, Wes... Um, this all pro corner, you know, he he doesn't have a lot of leverage here. I mean, he could sit out mandatory minicamp and take a little pop there to continue to state his unhappiness. But if Denver doesn't want to trade him, he's probably going to be playing with Denver. 
That's it. Everything was copacetic until the Broncos went out and paid big bucks for Kareem Jackson. And then Chris Harris had to watch a lesser cornerback get a better contract than him. Mm. And he's not happy about it. But if you're the Broncos, Chris Harris, outside of Von Miller, is your best defensive player. And your secondary is night and day with and without him, as we saw down the stretch last year. They're just not nearly as good of a secondary if he's not there. But he's a, you know, a guy, how old is he right now? 30. 30. 30, coming off a major injury. It's always tricky to pay up like an aging player coming off an injury, and he, he was underpaid for so long. So do you pay on past performance because you like the guy so much? Not many teams do that. I don't know if Vic Fangio thought that his first year on the Oscar. job would be minus Chris Harris. I don't mm. think that was part of the deal in his mind. So you'd like to think they would get something done here. Fangio's going to get some business done. Fangio. Let's move on and talk about um, – <laughs> Yeah, we, we now have our second deep dive on the Green Bay Packers and the culture within. This one comes from Tom Silverstein of uh, Packer News. He writes for the um, Milwaukee Journal Milwaukee Sentinel. Journal Sentinel. Thank you, Greg. Uh, and a really interesting breakdown. So Ted Thompson, um, Mike McCarthy fired, obviously, in December. Ted Thompson has to step down or has moved out of his position uh, and what's letter you know, revealed as because he's dealing with some serious health issues. Mark Murphy, the president of the team, um, had a decision to make how he wants this team to run. And and this team has run smoothly uh, for decades now. It was um, Ron Wolf uh, during the Brett Favre era into Ted Thompson. It was always a clear line of power. Who was making decisions? Who was the guy in charge? Well, that's not so much the case anymore because Murphy, Greg, is, is put into what's kind of a three-headed monster here um, that puts the, the, the organization in a little bit of a tricky spot potentially. We haven't seen any outward signs of dysfunction, but when there's not a clear line of delineation of who's in charge, that can happen. Your now, thoughts on this piece? I thought it was really fascinating and is worth reading in full if you're into the inner workings of front offices. And I would say it's dysfunctional because the two guys that theoretically are as important as anyone in the front office, Russ Ball and then the GM, Brian Gutekunst, were both un- essentially unhappy with the job that they got, that they felt like they, they each separately felt like they were sold one job and maybe got another one where they don't really have the power. They didn't – Gutekunst thought he was getting Ted Thompson's job, and it's not because he has a limited say for a general manager. Then you have Matt LaFleur over to the side who takes a little fire in this one. This Head piece, coach. too, about uh, whether he has a forceful personality, and you have these three – competing areas of the team, not on the same page necessarily. And then the thing that would worry me most about Packers fan is you have Mark Murphy getting in with the coaching staff and doing the types of things that bad owners do. He's not technically the owner, but he's acting like one. It's a lot. I think one of the things that surprised me the most in our job over the past decade is the level of palace intrigue in these front offices. Mm-hmm. The, the level, the lengths they go to keep and foster power for themselves versus, you know, qu- kind of contenders for power in the same front office. When Gunnikunst um, interviewed for the job, as, as Greg referenced, what is this again for new listeners, Dan? Uh, this is Brian Gutekunst's on hold music. If you call Brian Gutekunst and you need to get through to him if he if he's taking care of other business, yeah. This will be the song that plays. I love him. He's very proud of his German heritage. I mean, a little off-brand if he essentially is a somewhat of a neutered figure inside the building compared to what we... That sounds like someone very powerful who's dropping hammers on perhaps he, there. Perhaps he picked that song before uh, he found this out. But anyway, the interview, he went in for the interview, thought it was, like Greg said, Ted Thompson's job he was going to get, which was, you know, all-powerful job. And then was told, actually, no, it's not going to be that way. And he had to, they had to wait for him to come back and say, I still want the job because it threw everything kind of out of whack. And then with uh, LaFleur, the head coach, there's questions about how much power he had to even pick his own coaching staff. And Mike Pettin was, uh, you could perhaps see it as pushed onto him a little bit. And then some other, a special teams coordinator that he quite liked quite a lot. And even the, you know, he flew in uh, for the interview and then got 
apparently lowballed in a contract offer and ended up being, you know, going to New Orleans instead. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. Uh, it just seems like uh, not every. It doesn't sound like anyone's particularly thrilled with things right now. Now, if they go and they're, you know, eight and three in November, nobody's going to even remember this anymore. But if a team that's sitting on back-to-back losing seasons, if this thing goes sideways. Well, this is only I feel like this is only going to fester and become a bigger story. I mean, some of these things take years to really blow up too. So even if they were eight and three, I'd still be concerned with the overall structure. The, these teams that have this sort of mix and match scenario where you don't really know who's in charge, and inside the building there's arguments over who's in charge, and there's all these hurt feelings. It can last for a year or two, and then it utterly crumbles. The worst thing, like whether it's some sort of South American country or it's an NFL team, when there's a power <laughs> void. <laughs> And everyone's rushing to fill the power. It's really, it's really important that it's done well in the NFL. And this situation concerns me, number one, based on every press conference we've seen so far yes. out of Green Bay, where Mark Murphy is sort of treating Goody, despite his uh, on-hold music and everything else, Powerful. and their young new head coach, as almost like young children or or people that need to be tutored into the role and answering every question over them. This is your head coach and your at least media-facing GM. Well, and, the, and if you read between the lines, I got the sense Goody might not even have been totally the guy on board or with the LaFleur hiring and that he was on the side for that press Perfect. conference, which is, I mean, that that's troubling. Uh, I don't know. if I'm, it, A lot of it is understandable. Like, you can see why, but it's how bad organizations start. And Ted, Ted Thompson having this auto mnemonic disorder, which we didn't talk about, which is a pretty serious illness, that he might have stayed with the job too long. And then McCarthy and Ball, Mike McCarthy, the former coach, were apparently totally at odds, and that created why his job is a certain way. And I don't know. It's a lot. It's been a lot of success uh, because since Ron Wolf was there, but Ron Wolf is no longer participating in Packers events and kind of uh, is mad at the organization, partly because of how they treated his son. There, there's a lot going on. I remember wow. at the combine, I um, it, two years ago when it was Goody's first run, I randomly, you know how you randomly see people in the elevator and like the 12 year old in you is like, oh my gosh, that's Mike McCarthy, the Packers coach. But we were alone. I was like, hey, I really think your new GM seems like a, Great hire, and he just looked at me, and like his door opened. He goes, "It wasn't that bad." It was kind of like it wasn't like, "Hey, man, I think he's awesome, dude." We're we're on. It was just like a, and walked out of the elevator. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What hotel is this? We got to see if there's footage somewhere. (laughs) It's the one we always stay at in Indy, the Marriott, Um, the Hilton. Hilton. All right. I don't check hotel names. Anyway, moving on. Greg, good news. Happy Monday for you. Some people got the case of the Mondays today. Not you, Greg. You know why? Gino's back. Gino's back. The Seahawks sign the journeyman quarterback, um, the former second-round pick of the Jets. Spent last season doing nothing uh, behind Phillip Rivers uh, with the Chargers, uh, and now he is um, going to be probably – he'll probably be the number two behind Russell Wilson, but he's got some competition. You know who it is? Paxton Lynch. Lynch v. Gino to back up Russ. I would call that totally... Speaking of palace intrigue. Flip the coin. Sorry, Greg. Well, don't be sorry. I think what teams are... Gino's better than Paxton Lynch. Even I'll say that. Yeah, I won't say that necessarily. <laughs> Show it to me. You know, what's more important, talk or action? You know, you can... A lot of funny talk about Gino over the years... Look at the action. What NFL You're teams... You're not going to go back to the end of the 2014 season. you got to be kidding me. Season. Punched no, out by his own teammates. The, Talk about what, leadership, Void. What the NFL teams are telling us are oh like, God. if we want to pair someone with a quarterback who knows just about everything there is to know about the NFL, but needs a little something else behind him to really teach him the game, uh, an Eli Manning, a Phillip Rivers, a Russell Wilson, who do <laughs> they bring in? They bring in Geno. They bring in Geno to help that veteran really be the best that he can be. Here's another way to look at it. If you have a quarterback who never misses a snap, <laughs> like Eli Manning, <laughs> Phillip Rivers, yes. and Russell Wilson, feel free to bring in Geno Smith as your number two because he's never going to play. I think Wes nailed that. We'll, I, we'll I, always defend that start uh, Geno had as a giant uh, against the Raiders. And that will always watch, annoy me. Watch the tape. <laughs> watch the tape. Watch the tape. Watch the tape when he – Runs down the sideline cheering against Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was the best on the same team. It was like the best game by a a Giants quarterback. Cheered against his own teammate playing quarterback because he wanted to play. What a rotten teammate! I actually did give some a little bit of thought before the show when this you know was putting together the rundown. Why does he keep getting jobs? He must be pretty good at picking up a playbook, and uh, he doesn't cost a lot. He throws a pretty ball. 
throws a decent spiral. Nice when anticipation. It, nice when he throws it to his own team, he throws a pretty ball. Um, finally in the news, some uh, sad news. Former Chiefs uh, coach Gunther Cunningham uh, has died at the age of 72. Um, the Lions, whom uh, Cunningham last worked as a D coordinator 2009 through 2013, and he worked with them as an assistant through 2017, announced the news uh, born in – Munich, Germany. Cunningham moved to the U.S. at the age of 10 and became a naturalized citizen. Uh, in 2010, he attended the University of Oregon where he played linebacker, but he was known as you know a real lifer uh, as a coach in the NFL. Uh, started with the Baltimore Colts as an assistant, spent time with the Chargers and Raiders before moving to KC as their D.C. from 95 to 98. Some really good Chiefs teams in that mix. In 99, he succeeded Marty Schottenheimer as the Chiefs head coach for two years, went 16 and 16, uh, for more than 30 years, uh, Cunningham was a figure in the NFL. And Bucky Brooks, we joke about it a lot on this program, about Daniel Jeremiah having or not having a podcast here at NFL Media. Well, I'm going to talk about this one. Uh, first of all, DJ wasn't on this episode. It was Rhett filling in with Bucky. But Buc- I like that. I think that's a great combo, Rhett. Yeah, I think it's something Bucky. to explore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bucky played under uh, Gunther Cunningham, um, uh, for a phase of his career, and he had some words about Gunther. So let's listen into um, the most recent episode of Move the Sticks. Look, the NFL lost a great one because he's one of the best defensive minds, one of the more colorful personalities. He is a guy that um, I think everybody has a story when it comes to Gunther because he felt like he was the toughest guy in the room, and anyone who was around him, anyone who was on his team, had to take on that personality because, look, Teams are really – they take on the persona of their coach. And yeah. so having played for him, you walk out with a level of confidence and a level of kind of that bulliness that uh, goes on. So, look, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him dearly. He did so much for Kansas City and the rest of the league, the way he impacted it. Um, it's sad to see a great one pass yeah. away. I, I just remember those late 90s teams. His defense – you know, Marty Schottenheimer got away with running the ball all the time because Gunther Cunningham's defense was number one in the league in points allowed two out of three years when they went 13-3. and three. I always feel you – know, Chiefs fans have had some great teams over the years that, that didn't get quite over the hump, but his defenses were awesome. He is one of the rare guys that was a defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, became head coach, went to another team, then returned – how many head coaches return – to their previous team as a coordinator. I cannot think of any other than him in yeah. these last 25 years. Secondly, if we love Hard Knocks for what it teaches us about the coordinators and the coaches and the personalities running, the 2007 Chiefs Hard Knocks, there is no bigger star on that entire show than Gunther Cunningham, who I had no idea who the guy was before it, and he is a raging badass through the entire thing. He's unbelievably enjoyable to watch. He's the same dude on Thanksgiving when Justin Forsett, way back when against the Texans, he was with the, he was with the Lions at that point, ran for that 81-yard touchdown that couldn't be uh, it couldn't be reviewed because Schwartz threw the red flag during it and it was a scoring play. So they said, sorry, it was clearly he was tackled to the ground. And they just show Cunningham taking the playbook and k- throwing it in the air like an old man and <laughs> kicking it with his foot. Then a couple, a couple, it was either a year or two after, Monday Night Football shows him up in, this, up in the coordinator's booth chewing out fans that are like like 10 <laughs> feet away who are giving him a job. guy in the he, room. He was, he was, to me, one of the, I can see why Bucky feels away. It would be hard to forget him. Uh, Gunther Cunningham dead at the age of 72. That's what's happening in the news. Hey, guys, uh, Lisa knows how important rest is to a better life. How are you sleeping lately, Mark? Much better. Good. I had, I'm, Much better. I'm watching both my boys. My wife is away on business right now, and uh, they both slept in bed with me last night. Not a great night's sleep. That's, that doesn't honest. go. A lot of little legs kicking you repeatedly. Arms You flying. kind of also have to protect your body. Yeah. Even awake or not, when you have little children in the bed, because yeah. they're going to kick you they're all little, over. They're your little body. Stuff. They're like little body heaters, like space yep. heaters. You don't need that. Exactly. It's like what it feels like in here right now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like crawling on the floor somewhere right now. Anyway, Lisa is the foundation of a healthy, healthier, happier you. All Lisa products have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed and to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you want to spend time with. Speaking of my son, my eldest, Jack. We got a, a Lisa bed for him. Uh, and, you know, he's not sleeping in it last night. Not great. But in general, he sleeps in it. Guess what? He's growing. He's healthy. He's Good happy. Stuff. I point a 
all back to Lisa. Anyway, um, Stan, uh, Lisa's most popular multi-layer foam mattress is made with premium foams for cooling, contouring, and pressure-relieving support. That's the standard um, Lisa mattress, so check that one out. And just know that Lisa believes all people should have access to deep rest and relaxation, so don't miss out. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off your purchase for a limited time at lisa.com slash around and use promo code around. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash around. And guys, one more thing. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts, no matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Greg, do you buckle up? Of course. Every time. Me. Buckle up. It's not cool not to. It used to be. Not anymore. And I used to not buckle up in the backseat. And then one day... I smartened up. I said, you know what? The buckle's buckling back here, too. I grew up in a live and let live house where you didn't have to buckle your seat. But since I've been an adult, always buckle my seat. <laughs> Absolutely. Less. And remember, uh, Wes, uh, I almost called you Bob. Bob's not on the show. He's my on middle name podcast. is Robert. There you go. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets. So why take the risk? So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night, front seat or back seat. I added that in. Just a reminder, buckle up in the back seat. Click it. Or ticket. Nailed it. All right. I should add in my mom's defense. Yeah. There were like nine of us trying to fit in a Firebird. <laughs> so seatbelts kind of were, you know, a my little extraneous. My mom also came from a large Catholic family where there were six children. She tells the story when they would drive to the beach in the summer. They'd be packed into the back of the station wagon. There'd be a dog in there as well. And then Poppy, my late grandfather, smoking a big cigar. <laughs> There's no air conditioning. It's <laughs> character building. Yeah. Uh, well, less helicoptery uh, parental scenarios back then. Yes. Um, all right. There we go. Let's talk about it. What are we overly invested in as we look ahead to 2019 at a level where, yeah, this is what we do for a living. We should be invested in uh, a lot of the subplots that surround a season as we uh, look ahead. But for whatever reason, these subplots have really kind of <laughs> – worm their way into our old uh, brains. And uh, I was going to mention like a part of a brain mm. to just dress it up a little bit. But then I didn't know if it would be mentioning the right part of the brain. The north cortex. Like, cortex would have been good. I was thinking of the, what was the emblemblada thing? What was that part? You're on your Medulla own. Medulla emblangata. I almost did that, but I didn't want to stumble over the word. I might have stumbled upon it myself. No. Hmm. Greg, why don't you get us going? <laughs> Maybe sometimes I don't have to, you know, externalize these internal thoughts while I'm. No, I think that's up. your job as the host. Yeah. And this is a, you know, somewhat sometimes. confusing segment, <laughs> and so I think it's it's good to set it up. It's re- it really is inspired by Game of Thrones. We sort of did the intro already right off the top, right. but just that uh, people. They're in too deep. They've they've committed so long with Game of Thrones that they're just losing perspective on things. That's a little bit how I feel with the Los Angeles Chargers at this point. I've been predicting that this team is going to be one of the best teams in the AFC, that it's going to go to the Super Bowl, that it's got one of the best rosters in the league from for so long that there's no there's no backing off at this point. Like there's no I can't go off of that when they went 12 and 4 a year ago. But part of me does you know, the part of me that's not as invested kind of looks at it from the outside and and looks at that offensive line, and mm. it's garbage for the most part. Uh, and it was at the end of last season, and it's basically the same group coming back. And it's an, it's an older quarterback. And a, as loaded as that defense looks, and, uh, and it's really good overall, I, I do worry about a team that doesn't really have much of a home field advantage and, and – did they? Was that their best chance last year? Twelve and four. I don't really know. I can't tell because I'm in so I'm in so deep. You're in too deep. I'm in too deep. I can't see it. You're blinded. Did, what about the idea of uh, building into those things? Maybe be worried about the way the offense played down the stretch. Yes. You know, after that amazing, they peaked as a team. Uh, one of the great moments in Chargers history, at least regular season. But maybe you can go 
the whole you know kit and caboodle is when they went to Arrowhead and the buzzer beater win on Thursday Night Football. And from that point on, I don't remember that offense being close to the same. What does You're that right. mean? I, I, I do worry about that. They're a little thin. Uh, you know, they have two great receivers, I believe, in Keenan Allen um, and Mike Williams is coming up. But after that, it's Travis Benjamin, and then there's a pretty big fall off. It, it, it's just a team that... It, You're nervous. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. It just looks so good on paper that I actually think now I've been rooting for the Chargers to do well for so long. I'm getting some Charger fans thoughts in my head, which is like it almost looks too good. Something's going to get funky. It felt like at the end of the year, the problems were twofold, that their running backs were injured and they had one of the best, most productive backfields all year. And then the right side of the offensive line just fell apart and got exploited almost every week. The offensive line was so bad the last four, five, six weeks, and that was what I think separated this team. And the defense is really good. I hope Gus Bradley can take advantage of all the talent that he has. It looks great on paper. This is an organization where it hasn't always translated from paper uh, to reality, kind of like the last season of Game of Thrones. How about that? I brought it back around. Nice. And Aaron Rodgers was the latest celebrity to make a cameo (laughs) on the show. I think he gets... You'd know, Wes. Did you see? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that going to be in the news? Forgot. I mean, I wasn't looking for him because it was about Game of Thrones, not some quarterback for the Packers. But, no, I didn't see him. Well, I saw a scene where – Some quarterback for the Packers. This is an all-time great. Yeah, but he plays football. A football player has no place in Game of Thrones. Like, that's – that's a whole different world. That's mid-earth. Or like well, yeah, everyone Starbucks. else are just actors. Starbucks They're just guys that hang out in L.A. and work on their screenplays. I think willing suspension of disbelief matters more for me than most people. It's hard to pick them out. There's a scene, according to to some, again, don't watch it, but where uh, see, he comes. We, we shouldn't be doing. Going well, no, but he comes. Much. He comes. Watch a show. He comes burning you down. Have, a don't le- you want? You spent four or five seasons. He comes burning down like a left turn as the dragon is like touching Ooh, Rogers down does? Rogers and burning everyone up. According on Twitter, that's him. I don't think anybody come, watching this would have seen that as Aaron Rogers, and, and even if they were looking for it, you'd have to go back right. and rewind it. Why are we it so? It's I, why am the I the one now. defending Aaron Rogers finally? Why are we so negative about him appearing on a on a television? I'm not negative. He's a huge fan. If he was missed it yeah it all right it's like a little like he's a quarter i thought he did if, if he's in the scene that they showed he did a nice job uh, running and you know watching it. you know what's happening right now Dan? he gets torched it's, it's hot in here it's hot in here. <laughs> it's pretty hot in here it is and it's yeah, funny you say that because i'm watching aaron Rodgers get incinerated on game of thrones and yes it happens so quickly that it's very easy to miss and wes obviously that's something you can miss as we Completely bring the show to a halt. I mean, how would I know that's Aaron Rodgers on, if on I'm watching site it? watching it? No way. It's only because no, it's it just been looks like some out. jabroni who got killed. That's the point. You're not supposed to know. Right. You're not, I'm not supposed to know that it's him. And I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying nobody should be expected to notice that's Aaron Rodgers during the. I also show. think he, maybe they shouldn't have had him in shoulder pads in a number twelve jersey. It <laughs> just took me help. out like the coffee cup thing. Didn't help. Took me out of the moment. All right. Anyway, what am I wildly overly invested in? Well, I'm going to keep it real. It's got to be involving my favorite team, but it's a it's a bigger uh, picture as well. I am too invested in the year two of the 2018 quarterback draft class. Um, just to see how this all hmm. shakes out. It starts, of course, with my boy Sam Darnold, who I'm really um, excited. I feel like he's kind of in a good spot where um, nobody, despite the additions, people still don't really think the Jets are going to be any good. So he doesn't have a lot of this. I don't think there's a lot of expectations really built up around Darnold, which is probably not the worst thing. But when I look at the roster, and Greg, you hit the Jets in the roster reset, they're better in almost every phase of um, their team. From last year. Now, last year's team was a bad 4-12 and 12 outfit, so that doesn't mean now they're going to go 12-4. and four. Uh, But I'm really excited, especially beyond Le'Veon Bell and Jameson Crowder, um, the Adam Gase angle, which as a Jets fan, you just have no – it's been so long since they've tried to build an offense with um, a coach that has an offensive mind. I'm excited to see how Gase and Darnold work together. Mayfield uh, and the Browns, we've talked about that a lot, but you want to see, uh, is he going to be – a superstar is he going to be an MVP level guy? Unlike Darnold, obviously the Browns have a ton of expectations, so I'm interested to see how um, he fares uh, facing that type of um, scrutiny. And then the other guy is Josh Rosen. I'm focusing on the first round, obviously. Josh Rosen, uh, what happens in Miami? Does he have a chance to salvage? Well, he will get a chance to salvage his career. What does he do with it? So I'm kind of really interested in how that shakes out. Josh Allen, is he any good? I think there's some people that think Josh Allen is really good, and then there's some people that didn't see enough to get excited about him. I, I He seems very scattershot to me and an amazing athlete. And finally, Lamar Jackson. 
I feel like Darnold, group. Darnold has helped out a little bit in terms of what you mentioned with lower expectations by the fact that by the end of last year, I think Baker Mayfield and you could argue Lamar Jackson became bigger stories than Darnold tucked away on a lost Jets right. team. But I would not say on any level that we're far away from it out here on some level, but there is no way that Sam Darnold does not have high expectations around him. And this, he should. He should have high expectations oh, around him. There are this high year, expectations. Yeah. But and I mean, a lot of pressure. The scrutiny of uh, the team being – I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the team. People aren't expecting the Jets to go 11-5 and five and knock off the Patriots. It, think, it's a different I think people feel, aren't buying into it. No, I, I get that, but I do think there is a lot of – expectation for a first-year head coach and second-year quarterback just because the, the the talent around him is so good. That Le'Veon Bell, you think Chris Herndon's going to make a big leap. You got a nice receiver crew and Anderson uh, and Anunua and who am I forgetting there? Uh, Jamison Crowder. I mean, that's like a good – he should be expected to have a good season this year. His and coach should be better too. I'm the, I would say this is um, the most excited I've been about a Jet season in a long, long time. You might have to go back to – 2011, after their second AFC title game, where I just not necessarily because I think they're ready to to make the make the move to be a contender, but just to see how the team plays and see how Darnold develops. I've never had a quarterback in my life. Well, and you're not forced get to get behind like that. You're not forced to quietly back a total sham quarterback, right? Which has been the exercise when you root for these quarterback-free, crappy teams for a decade plus. As you know well, Mark. All right, um, Chris Wessling, you're up. I'm going to invite Mark to go ahead of me if he wants to, because mine is more of a macro view of the Mm. sport itself. Mm. Will it involve Shakespeare mythology? (laughs) No. Mine is very micro. So (laughs) do your notes first. (laughs) I will, I will go first here with, with uh, my thing, because it is based on a smaller topic than the entire sport. Uh, For me, I feel like when I get way too deep, I cannot change my opinion on something, even if it is changing. And for (laughs) me, I am in way too deep when I look at the Detroit Lions and I see nothing but their immense, profound, untouchable dullness. <laughs> Wait, you're in too deep on their I dullness? Am, I want to try to explain this. <laughs> yeah, Give me a second. I, get, I think I'm with I them. have perceived them as boring for years on end, correctly. And I need the team to pull off something dramatic to alter my worldview. When I'm flipping through games, whether they're live or on game pass, I want to feel something other than when I land on the Detroit Lions and think to myself, next, the Lions arguably have one of the top run-stuffing lines in the NFC right now, led by Damon Harrison. They have a competent quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I like Carrion Johnson, Kenny Galladay. I kind of can get behind the Matt Patricia thing, but still, I cannot see my way out of this conundrum. Here are a few ideas to change my opinion. How about win a playoff game for the first time since 1991, a longer streak than the Browns? How about stop being the least interesting team in your division for once in my lifetime? Mm. How about consider the concept of not feeling aesthetically like the same exact dull trinket year after year after year? And before any ham and egger Lion fans come after me, you should be 10 times more steamed than I am. How many Sundays have you wasted? Would you prefer to sip the most expensive champagne as the NFL crown is laid upon your brow or deal with another raging bowl of vanilla ice cream come September? It's going to take a lot to change my feelings. I'm way too f***ing deep in on this one. It's like Saigon 68. Who knows when any of us will get out of the shit. I agree with every word you said, and I totally get what you're saying, that this could be the year the Lions are exciting, but you're too close to it. You're too invested, too close. Mm. Too invested in I, this narrative. And not rooting for myself to feel that way a year from now. I would love to feel different. The rest of the league is become, it's coming to the point where there aren't that many super boring teams left. A lot of them and have Staff- gone out of their way to fix some of their issues. And Stafford Come should, on, have Detroit. Been, should be the the solve, really, for the uh, for their you know, boring nature. Because when he came in, and I at least was thankful that I thought he would save Thanksgiving, the early game. I was like, all right, finally we're we're done with these uh, Lions quarterbacks that are lousy. We got Stafford in the 930 hole uh, for the next decade. Uh, but I don't know. You're, you're right. I mean, it's an underrated Mark Sessler storyline, his feelings about the Lions. But I'm glad we explored it. Okay. Wes. <laughs> I just don't know if I believe it, but... I have I buy it. something that I'm passionate about. It's not going to be like, yeah. I just can't stop thinking about the Miami Dolphins and their team building process. Like, I don't spend time <laughs> thinking about that and getting all hot and bothered over it. 
But you, the Lions. That annoyed. I will say, though. when I think about something that is. He's talked that about I, the Lions. I on this felt show passionately for a long time. about this take since the minute this podcast started, and I'm not alone. <laughs> Wes? Be- take us home. Because of the way we're indoctrinated in this country, we our minds tend to set and entrench as liberal or conservative, right or left, business or labor. That's the bias we bring into sports. And the people who follow football closest tend to break down into two separate camps, pro owners or pro players. And we lose perspective. We get in too deep when we view the league's issues through one of those lenses instead of taking a broader view about what's good for the sport itself, short-term or long-term, as well as the most rewarding entertainment experience for the fan, more fans, more writers should be thinking about what's good for writers and fans, not what's good for players or owners. Hmm. What are some... I think that's a thought-provoking uh, idea there. What are some... What? What... Are some examples like what made you think about this? Uh, one thing, a topic that came up a week or two ago, the franchise tag. When you were talking, like that might be an issue that the players, the NFLPA, will get rid of. There's no chance of that happening because the sport itself needs the franchise tag. It will be an awful, awful sport if quarterbacks can just go wherever they want, like the NBA, where you have these power teams and dream teams, and only two teams or three teams are relevant every year. You can't do that in football. That's mm. one thing. But I also think replay is another one. Hmm. Yeah. Replay I could I could totally see. The franchise tag and player movement is is a double-edged sword. With the NFL and the way talent's dispersed and the salary cap, you know, good quarterbacks are almost getting there. Like Kirk Cousins kind of put a no trade, no tag, you know, clause on his contract. In theory, Wilson could do that. I, I don't mind getting rid of it. I don't mind a little more player movement. I think actually the NFL that might make it interesting that if better players got to free agency but I think you're you're right about the replays that and this is across a lot of sports that I think you're losing the forest for the trees as someone that hasn't watched a lot of NBA in recent years but like tuning in for these game sevens I mean to see like a two minute delay uh, to see if um, Joel um, Joel Embiid was acting or not when his eye got hurt with six minutes left in the game. It was like, come on. You're also let's, al- let's wake up here. You're also allowed to look at the Le'Veon Bell situation and say, hey, the Steelers offered him a fair deal. Um, he hates the franchise tag, but the franchise tag actually would have been good for him had he accepted it. And as a fan of the game, I would have had a much better experience if he was playing for the Steelers instead of sitting out all year. Let me ask you one question. Like when it comes to replay, because I like your argument that everyone, it's great in 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 March and April when we reconstruct replay and it becomes more expansive and it's going to address the stuff that hurt everyone's feelings a couple months ago, rightly so. But then the game suddenly, when it's if if they are going to become longer, we don't really know because I think there's arguments to suggest that won't happen. Like I don't know if any of this would be happening at all if it weren't for Twitter. And stuff like that, because in if this were 1988, like the expansion hubbub over Minnesota and New Orleans would have died down about 10 days later and been largely something people wouldn't even be communicating about publicly. It stayed such a fervor and the owners have to react and the owners and everyone else had to vote that in. I, like when you say pro owner or pro player, I mean, some of these issues are right in the middle. I, with with replay, like, do you want them to not be responsive to that kind of thing? The owners, I thought they did at least. They tried to make the game. I don't know. For me, it's confusing. The owners, to me, they they tried to address what was a truly uh, beguiling issue for the league going forward. That's fair. I don't think you have an, a a lot of owners or right now like looking at the health of the league as like the most important thing, which is well, it, which is a problem. It doesn't help that in. Almost every American sport, the commissioner is essentially powerless and he's just a lackey for the owners. Whew. Getting hot in here again. I mean, that's mm. the way that's the way it's evolved over the years that like if you're an owner of the sport, the commissioner is under your employ. That's just the way it is. Um, good said, guys. We have one more show before the Chris Wessling, Lakeisha Jackson, Jackson nuptials. By the way, your brother, Nick. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got him triggered. He is he is all up in his feelings. He's well, not, what happened now? He's sending me private texts now. Uh, oh, he did? Saying how, you know, how badly he wants to beat me and he was going to play left-handed, but now he's got to play right-handed. He has your phone number? The te- I, he got my number to teach me a lesson. And it's just like, bro, 
I love it up here, living rent-free in your head, Nick. And it's nice up here and roomy. And let me tell you something. You're not going to like what happens this weekend. It's noisy, though, up in his head. It's a lot of chatter. A lot of chatter. <laughs> but um, just realize the pressure's on you, buddy. The pressure's on you. <laughs> Let's say there's... And he's listening right now, right? Yeah. Nick, you remember I'm the one with the microphone. And... If you don't beat me this weekend, next week will be one of the lowest points of your life. Well, you and Nick is... is um, and if we hear no updates about the game at all, you know that Nick fared well. Here's, here's, right. what's, here's what's going here's on. Here's the problem, though. Nick, it's not a one-on... Well, maybe it, you will do a one-on-one thing, but the problem is, like, if you and Nick are a close battle, that leaves, you know, me and Wes uh, to to decide the, the win. And but that's, I've, that's I've already troubling. made my feelings clear on yeah. that. I'm, I care less now about the two-on-two element Is of the there game. a one-on-one cornhole? I guess and, there and is. Just, oh, yeah. And just um, Nick and I. Our, Greg is a little battle. concerned about the top-heavy nature of the Wesleyan Wesleyan team. Well, here's the. Hey, we're we're big-time underdogs. I I don't mind it. It'll just uh, it'll just you know make everyone more surprised when we shock the world. But yeah, that's just the reality. Is we're big. It also underdogs. feels great, as I'll mention, two shows in a row, just to be completely knocked out of the lineup <laughs> at whim by you, <laughs> hobby horses. Enjoy yourself. Here's the tale of the tape. Um, Nick clearly a better cornhole player than Dan. We'll see. Ooh, but. Here's what I would say. Nick, not even in the same league as Dan when it comes to psychological warfare. <laughs> and this could backfire on Nick if he's talking about throwing left-handed because Dan might then force him to throw left-handed and Nick will get mm. obliterated. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't – I wouldn't. you said clearly better. We'll see because he's got to perform. It's easy to do it when you're alone in Cincinnati in the backyard. <laughs> but when the lights are on and when people are watching it and when it counts, we'll see what Nick Wessling's got. We'll see if he's got anything in the heart. I'll, I'll leave it on that note. <laughs> Let's go. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. I want you, Nick Wesson. I want you. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.